We're in the book of Revelation. If you have a Bible, would you please turn with us? Now we've gotten to a very difficult part in Scripture. I want you to know you're going to have to hold on to your seats. The reason, the reason that we had to study as faithfully as we could, chapters 1, 2, and 3, is so that we could make it through chapters 6 through the rest of this book. It is not a very smooth ride. It is a very bumpy ride for those who have refused to know and to love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're here visiting with us and you do not know him, we will not parse or mix any words with you. We will tell you the truth as far as Scripture, as far as the Bible is concerned. We have no rules and regulations here apart from what is written in this book. We don't. This is everything to us. And I believe that as we studied through chapters 2 and 3 and we came to the Church of Philadelphia, I felt that, that we were kind of like that church in a sense that we really hold to the very name of Jesus Christ and to the very essence of his word. That's all that we stand upon. And we will tell you that. And today's message will be, I think, clear for those who are seeking after what is this one, who is this one called Jesus Christ. If we learn nothing else from the word of God, we learn that the Bible teaches that the world is not headed towards unity and peace as much as as there is a cry for it, there is a, a longing that we would have global peace. We're not headed towards that. The Bible speaks of peace when it comes between you, an individual, and God. That's the peace that the Bible speaks of, not the peace on earth that we hear like in Christmas time when you send out cards. May there be peace on earth. No, the Bible says that that is not a, a possibility. Tragically, we are headed towards a very terrible war that is called the Battle of Armageddon. I want you to turn with me. Hold your place in Revelation chapter 6, but take a look back at the 16th chapter. Who knows when we'll get there. Hopefully the Lord will come back before we do. <laughs> at my pace there's a chance, isn't there? But in the 16th chapter, our Lord is coming back and... And when he comes the second time, he's going to come as a lion. The first time he came as a lamb, the lamb of God. Remember John the Baptist? When he saw him coming down towards the Jordan River, I believe it was. And he said, behold, the, the lamb of God who takes away what? Sin of this world. Well, that was his first coming. He came to die upon the cross. He came to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. So next time he comes, he will come as a lion. And he will come to judge this world. And so it was imperative that you and I, as a group of believers, understand who he is within our own hearts. So that we can be assured of what we believe. Because we need to know to go and tell others of the wrath that is going to be poured out upon this earth unless they repent. And so it says in the 16th chapter, the 13th verse, and John, you remember now, is trying to explain almost the unexplainable. He's never seen anything like this before. And so he's trying to write it out, and he writes, I saw in verse 13, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. That's, 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 
That's what he came up with. He says in verse 14, they are spirits of demons. They're performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather the kings together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. And then as Jesus has said over and over again, behold, I am coming like a thief. In other words, suddenly, without any warning. Although, let me just say there are warnings for us to see, and we'll see some today. He says, blessed, verse 15, is the person who stays awake and keeps his clothes. Now the clothes are our garments, but they're, they're the garments that our Lord gives us. Listen to what Isaiah says. Just hold your place here and just listen closely. And you can look at it later. It's Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul exalts in my God. Why, Isaiah? Listen to what Isaiah says. Because he, God, has clothed me with garments of salvation. He, God, has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. And if you'll note from Isaiah and what we've learned, it is not our righteousness. It is the righteousness of God that he gives us. He clothes us in our salvation and he wraps us up in a robe of righteousness. His righteousness. So that, as we go on to read in verse 15, stays awake and keeps our clothes so that we will not walk about naked and men will not see our shame. Our shame is that he will remove our sin from us, separate our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. And then he says, John wrote in chapter 16, verse 16, they, the kings, and, the, and those who are the, the rules leaders of the world will gather together to the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Armageddon. That will be the great and terrible war. That is what is called the tribulation upon this earth. And so we are to be aware of what is going to take place. Would you look with me please at Matthew chapter 24. The reason I want you to see this is because Jesus has pre-warned us of what is going to take place. We are now in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. We are now in that place. The, the disciples were sitting with Jesus Christ and they were asking him, what's going to take place? What, what's going to happen? Because in the 24th chapter, Jesus is saying that, talking about the temple, there will not be one stone laid upon the other. It will be destroyed. So they ask him in the third verse of Matthew chapter 24, Tell us, Lord, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what is the end of the age? How will we know what's going on? Well, here in the sixth chapter and forward, you and I are going to know exactly the answer to the question that they are asking him. We're going to see very firsthand from the pen of John, that question answered, what's going to take place? We're going to study three sets of judgment. There's the judgment of the seals, there is the judgment of the trumpet, and there is the judgment of the bowls. Each one of these three judgments have seven, seven judgments on the earth, in all 21. 
and it's going to get messy on this earth. You won't want to be here when that takes place. You won't want your loved ones. You really won't want anyone to be here. That is why we beg of you, pray, give, go if you can, so that we can go into this world and tell others about our Savior. Well, until that Holocaust begins, the whole world we are taught in Scripture, stay in Matthew 24, please, just for a second, stay there. But the whole world is going to continue to deteriorate. The whole world is going to fall deeper and deeper into chaos, confusion, and sin. This is happening right now. We are seeing this in this world in which we live. And it's happening at a, at a pace that, that almost seems, how do you stop it? How can anything stop what is happening in this world in which we live? We are told that wars are going to increase. Oh, we see that. Crimes will escalate. We see that. We are told there will be economic bedlam. We are in the process of seeing that and more. There will be unprecedented natural disasters such as earthquakes, floods, famine. We're seeing it. And so in Matthew chapter 24, after they ask him in verse 3, tell us, what will be these things? Uh, when will it happen? What will be the sign of your coming? What's the sign of the end of the age? Jesus answered in verse 4 and says to them, See to it that nobody misleads you. That is why it is shameful. When this, when this pastor came and told me that there are so few churches that are really teaching the Word of God, it just broke both his and my heart. He was a young man. He was in his 30s. And, and, and it was just... It was just an amazing time I had with this guy. I, I immediately asked him if I could write him, and I, could, I asked him if I could just meet with him once or twice. Anyways, when our Lord says, see to it that no one misleads you, that is why, folks, that is why we feel it is imperative that we teach you this and this alone. There's, there's nothing in a church or a religion that is really going to set you free. There is only Jesus Christ in his word. That's it. That is it. There doesn't need to be a bunch of set of rules. There are enough rules in here for us to follow. And the Lord will convict your heart how to follow it and how to trust in him and how to walk with him. But the essence is chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Revelation. Get to know him and know what's wrong in a church and know what's right in a church. And so Jesus said to them, See that no one misleads you. Many, he says at verse 5, are going to come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ. In other words, I'm the way to, to, to religion. I'm the way to God. And they will mislead many. Then he says in verse 6, You'll be hearing of wars, and you'll be hearing of rumors of wars. Listen, this is key. See to it that you're not frightened. In other words, don't be afraid. Because these things, he says in verse 6, must take place. But that is not yet the end. In other words, that terrible time has not yet come. Don't be frightened when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation, he says in verse 7, is going to rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famine and earthquakes. And boy, we're seeing it. But all of these things, he says, are merely the beginning of birth pangs. 
just the beginning. It's not, it's not the it's not the judgments of God that are being poured out. It's just the beginning. Don't be frightened. You're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. You're going to see earthquakes and famine. You're going to see all of this stuff take place. Don't be frightened. All of those calamities that are going to come upon this earth in which you and I now live is just the beginning of God's wrath. Wrath upon a fallen, rebellious world and sinners that refuse to repent. Now in the opening chapters of, of this book, in chapter 1, we saw Jesus Christ in all of his glory. And when John saw him, John, who knew him fairly very well, walked with him on this earth, when he saw him in his resurrected state, when he saw him in heaven, John, it says, fell on his face before God. Fell. No, he was on the island of Patmos at that time. He wasn't in heaven when he saw him. And he fell on his face as a dead man, John said. And then when we saw in chapters 2 and 3, when we studied what is the church supposed to be like, we saw to each church, Jesus Christ said to every single church, be overcomers. Overcome, overcome, overcome. And we learned that an overcomer is the person who by grace inherits the promises and the blessings and the rewards given by God through our simple but powerful faith in Him and Him alone, no one else, no one else. And then we saw this one in, in chapters 4 and 5. This one who is called the Lamb of God. This one who is called none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ come into his full power and authority. As we saw him as the only one worthy to take the scroll out of his Father's right hand and then he was found worthy to open it and pass out the judgments upon this world. And so as we read here in chapter 6 from verses 1 to 8, let's just take a look at these first few verses. And, and I want you to know we're going to go back over it because there's so much. This is kind of like an introduction of what is taking place. Read with me in chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. And we're going to see the, the judgment that is coming upon this whole world in which we now live. John says in verse 6, chapter 1, I, I saw... When the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. He went out conquering and to conquer. Verse 3, and when he broke the second seal, he meaning Jesus, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another, a red horse, went out to him who sat on it. It was granted to him to take peace from the earth, and that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Verse 7, And when he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. 
and Hades was following with him. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. That's enough for right now. I mean, it gets bumpier. This is just the start. And so I pray with all of my heart that you know the Lord and you trust in Him as your Lord and your Savior and that you and I will pray and give and go and tell people, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, anyone and everyone that we can about the wonders of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because there is a terrible, terrible time that is going to come upon this earth. When? We don't know. But it is going to come. Let's pray. Father, please, bless us, please. I don't know how to say it strongly enough, Lord. I just pray that you would open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds so that we might behold the wonders of your word I just pray, Father, that you would move me aside because I don't want to hinder what you want to say to each of us individually. And so, Lord, please, allow us to the privilege of hearing your voice quietly, perhaps, within our own heart. Move us, convict us, comfort us, do the things that is needed within each of our hearts, Father, so that we might more boldly, more confidently walk with you, love you, and love others. And so, Lord, bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, almost every commentary that I read believes that chapter 6 begins what is called the tribulation period upon this earth. We need to note again that this is the final major division of the book of Revelation. If you look back at chapter 1 and verse 19, Revelation is divided into three parts. If you look at 1.19, it says, Jesus said to John, Write therefore the things which you have seen. That's, that's we saw in chapter 1. That, that was the thing that he saw, namely Jesus Christ in all, of his in all of his glory. And then he says, I want you to write of the things which are. That's talking about the present day church, the church age in which we now live. And he studied seven churches. We saw the good and the bad and the ugly of these churches. And then he says, after you write about the things which you have seen and the things which are, then, now we get into chapter 6, I want you to write of the things which will take place after these things. And that's where we are now. We find ourselves with John in heaven itself watching as these four horsemen ride towards the earth. I want you to believe and see one thing that we are going to be studying from this point forward in the book of Revelation. You will not see again anything labeled the church. Because the church was the name that was given to us, believers on the earth, where we live now. We are living in what is called the church age. That was from the day of Pentecost till the Lord raptures the church and takes us home to be with Him. And so here in the book of Revelation, from chapter 6 to the end of the, the book of Revelation, you will not read about the church again. Our label, it appears to be, is 24 elders who are in heaven. That means the whole of the church body. Now we, the church, the 24 elders, 
believers, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, had to get to heaven during this period somehow, some way. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18, we are taught that we, the church, are caught up to be with Christ in the air. So we, the 24 elders, the church, the believers, we now represent the church in heaven with Christ at this time. No more church mentioned. Gives us, I think, further evidence that that we will not go through the tribulation. We will be raptured up before it begins. That's why our Lord said to the disciples when they asked us, when will these things be? He says, these are the signs. And then he says, you're going to be hearing of wars and rumors of wars, but don't be frightened. This is not the end. It's just merely the beginning of birth pains. So from here on out, the church is not mentioned But God's judgment is about to be poured out upon this earth with all of its force. We, it appears, will be with Him in heaven during this time. Now each of the seven scrolls back in in Revelation chapter 6 represents a very specific divine judgment that's going to be poured out upon the earth. Seems best to understand it this way. The first four seals, they are basically the the four horsemen of the Apocalypse. The first four seals take place during the first half of the tribulation. You know the tribulation period is seven years, right? First, the tribulation is seven years. It's divided into two halves. Three and a half years and three and a half years. The first four seals take place in the first half of the tribulation. The fifth seal stretches from the first half into the second half, which begins, the second half begins what is called the Great Tribulation. That lasts for the remaining three and a half years. We're going to see in chapters 11, 12, and 13, it is called by 42 months, which is three and a half years, or 1,260 days, which again is three and a half years. Now apparently, watch this now, the the seventh seal, we're going to find out, will be opened and in the seventh seal will be seven trumpet judgments. When the seventh trumpet judgment is rolled out, then we will see seven bowl judgments. So in all, there will be 21 judgments that will come upon the earth. Jesus will pour them out upon this earth. Now, I do not believe that the great tribulation will break suddenly upon us like a great tornado. Rather, I believe it's a gradual, logical ascent. It is like, you know, it is like the way things are happening now. Think back. I, I, think, I thought about this the other day when I was studying through this. If my father, who died in 1986 now, was to come back and to see what's on television, the billboards and magazines, he would be appalled. My dad would look and say, Oh my God, son, what happened to this, the United States of America? Have you lost every bit of your morals? But, but we, who have lived in it and kind of gradually moved on this path, we, we, almost, we almost become, I don't know what the word is, um, used to it, uh, not used to it, but we've become desensitized 
that's, we become like that. We, it's, it's almost, it's just happened and slowly but surely. Just the other day I was watching a television, old movie, and the guy pulled into the gas station and gas was, uh, I think it was $1.13 cents, and I thought, oh, yeah, wow. And I got gas coming here last night and it was $4 and something. how that happen? Gradually. And I looked to see when that movie was made, by the way. I looked in this, and it was made in 90-something or something like that. Gradually, 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 we become desensitized. And the intensity will start to grow. It'll be like a birth pains, like a giving birth. Uh, none of us as men understand that all that you women go through. We just don't. We never will. I heard one joke one time. A guy said, Mickey, I'm in bad ground right now. I heard one guy said, you know, I think I, I, I just passed some kidney stones, and so I think I know what it's like to have a baby. And the doctor says, no, you don't. Oh, yeah. He said, it was terrible. It hurt more than anything else. He said, no, you don't know. He said, well, what do you mean? How do I not know? He said, well, I'll tell you. He said, let me give you a good example of how to know what it feels like to give birth to a child. He says, grab your lip, your lower lip, and pull it. And he started to pull it. He said, no, 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 pull it. Pull it really hard. And he said, no, it hurts. He said, yeah, it hurts a lot. He said, keep pulling it. He says, how hard do I to pull it? He said, well, just, he says, just wrap it around your head. That's what it feels like to give birth to a child. I can't do that. <laughs> it's like a birth pain. The, the, the pains will get worse as it goes. Now I want to say this to you because I believe it's of great importance. And this is just kind of my two cents. God has warned each and every generation. And God has given each and every generation plenty of time to repent. He has told them about this terrible day that is coming. He has said clearly there is a heaven and there is a hell. And you can divert yourself away from hell by accepting me as your Lord and as your, seven, your, your Savior. And you will, you will go to be with me in heaven. There, there's no mistaking. God has made that statement to every generation. And for those who will just not get serious with God, He will one day come upon this earth with great wrath. Make no mistake about it. But don't ever let anyone get angry with God over what they might say. Well, what a lack of compassion God has upon mankind. No, on the contrary. His compassion for us runs deeper than anything you and I will ever experience. What we need to do or they need to do is get angry with every single person who refuses to trust and believe in Him and refuse to, to believe in His Word. People, He is dead serious. He is coming again. And he desires us to believe in him and he desires us to tell people to pray, to give, and to go and tell people about the wonders of who he is. He tells us very plainly, you and I are to live, to worship, and to praise him, period. We, we have no other options on this earth. You can do it in whatever job you, you want. It says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. It doesn't, he doesn't say you have to do it just in church. You can worship and praise Him anywhere. But our job, our privilege, our, our responsibility on this earth is to praise and to worship Him with all that we are and to believe in Him and Him alone. Paul says it best. It's in 
It's, it's on the other, the other screen up now. Uh, you can put on the, the, the screen of uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Listen to Paul's words. They're just phenomenal. You really don't need to turn there. Listen to them real closely. Paul says, If some do not believe, their unbelief will not nullify God's faithfulness, will it? If someone doesn't believe, it doesn't nullify the fact that God is faithful. He says in the next verse, verse 4, May that never be. Rather, he says, let God be found true and every man be found a liar. That's the wonders of the God that we have. We have to trust in Him. God is telling us the truth. The question is, will we believe Him or not? This is not dress rehearsal. We are in the real, we're in the real game right now, if you will. This is it. This matters. And none of us knows what's going to happen tonight nor tomorrow. This is our time to believe and to worship our God and to trust in Him. And so don't be flippant about our beliefs because God's judgment is coming and, and He's asked you and me to be a light into this world in which we live. He's asked you and me to be salt so that people might experience our Savior. And they need to know in whom you and I believe. And, and, and they really can't see us being hypocritical about our beliefs and then trusting in our Savior. We're expected to walk uprightly, righteously with our God so as to warn this world in which we live that there is a Savior that they can know and trust. And so the judgments coming in chapter 6 are, are going to fall upon those who are unwilling to trust in Christ. And so the unfolding of the seven seals begins. It starts by the first four are horsemen who ride onto the earth they are the so-called four horsemen of the apocalypse. There is a white horse, there is a red horse, there is a black horse, and there is an ashen horse. Now the white horse is not Christ. It is the Antichrist. And this first horseman rides out as to give the world peace and security. Look what it says. I saw when the Lamb, verse 1 of chapter 6, I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice that thundered, Come. And he says, I looked, and behold. Here's what he saw. He said, I saw a white horse, and he saw, I saw someone who sat on it had a bow. And, and a crown was given to him, and he went out to conquer, and to, conquering and to conquer. The first horseman lulled the earth into a false sense of security. And he is quickly followed by a red horse, which is war, then a black horse, which is famine, and then an ashen horse, and all of them have a rider, which is death. And Hades following after it. You see, the world's desperate need right now for an international global peace is apparent for all of us who follow and look at the news at all. We're, we're, we're hoping for this, this worldwide peace. Will someone come and bring us peace? And so that bait is a trap by Satan to bring in the 
Antichrist who, who rides in on this white horse saying, peace, peace, security. And Jeremiah, instead of Isaiah, Gordon, as you pointed out, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, reminds Israel that without their Messiah, Israel cries out, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Listen, without Jesus Christ as one's Lord and Savior, there is no peace. At Christmas time, when we send out cards, peace on earth, people don't know what they're saying when they say that. There is no such a thing as a Christian that there will be peace on this earth except for a false peace that comes from that white horse and the rider who is the Antichrist. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3 tells us clearly, while they are saying, they, the people on the earth at that time, peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains. There it is again, the labor pains of a, a woman with a child, and they will not escape. I want you to note something. The rider, it says in verse 2, had a bow, but there is absolutely no mention of arrows. It is, implies that, that his conquering will involve a bloodless victory, and they will give him a crown, it says. Meaning that he will not conquer by military force, but he will conquer by cunning and deceit. Second Thessalonians tells us of this time. Chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11 it says, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, the Antichrist, the one on the white horse, he will come with all power, with signs, and with false wonders. And he will come with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. That's why we need to tell people about our Savior. We need to pray. We need to give. We need to go and tell. Verse 11 in 2 Thessalonians 2, For this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. In other words, he will have victory, this rider on the white horse, through cunning and deception. And they're going to believe a lie. They will believe a lie. As Paul said... In Romans 3, 3 and 4, if some do not believe, their unbelief will not nullify God's faithfulness, will it? He said, may it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every, other, every man be found a liar. So he comes with deception. And so the first seal will bring upon this earth a false sense of peace and security that will precede the final holocaust. Now Jesus already said in Matthew chapter 24, as we read just a moment ago, verses 4 and 5, Jesus answered when they said, what will happen? What will, what will be the sign of all of this? He said, look, see to it that no one will mislead you. Many are going to come in my name saying, I am the Christ, I am the way, I am the Messiah. They will mislead many. Don't let them fool you. It's merely the start of it. And so we are warned here at this church. We are warned of false religions, false groups. Look at Jesus didn't stutter when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. Look, we're not ashamed to say here in this church, if you're visiting us, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Period. Case is closed. 
He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And you must trust and believe in Him for what He did for you upon the cross when He shed His blood for the forgiveness of your, our sin. And to come to know Him as everything in your life. People want to say there are so many religions. So many religions. Yeah, there are. People like to say there are so many ways to heaven. The young lady that I shared Christ with, my friend's daughter, and, and I shared Christ with her, and I told you about it briefly a few weeks ago. I just found out this past weekend that she did go to the mystic, the spiritualist that she was looking for, because she wants to find this peace, this, this, this longing peace in her heart. and She wants to logically put it all together. And so she goes to a mystic, a spiritualist, to try to find a way. Can't do that. Don't be fooled. Rather, listen to what our Lord says concerning Himself. His words are true. And only He and He alone can give you and me salvation. Trust in Him. Now we will get into the rest of these judgments. We will look at the other three riders that come upon the, uh, the earth and and what we are going to see, these things are happening to those that refused our words of salvation. Now, I don't know if it's going to be this generation. Nobody knows the time. But there are some signs out there that just seem to be so ripe. This world is getting to a place where it's like a tinderbox. It's ready to explode. And you and I have the privilege of, of knowing the Lord of warning our friends and our loved ones and, and praying about going and giving so that others can go and going to the places that we can share our faith. I want you to be a part of that. I want this church, look, I'll tell you, I have no hidden agenda. I want this church to be just magical in this town. And not in this town, but everywhere we go. I want, what, what happened last night was a blessing beyond my wildest dream to, to think that this church is being as having a reputation for preaching the Word of God and holding true to God's truth. As a, I mean, you know, if you follow baseball, like Jeter going five for five, that's nothing to what happened last night. That was much better. That was much better. To think that we are not compromising, that is a credit to every single one of you. That is a credit to you. And I love you more than life itself. I am so thankful to be a part of this church. I can't put it in words strong enough. I just know this. I, I thank you for letting me go last week. I had a great time, but my whole time, I, my heart was here, prayed for us, and I just knew you were in good hands. That's all I knew. Father in heaven, would you please bless your word? Uh, Father, how can we thank you enough? I mean, you've, You've entrusted us with a, a church that really only wants to preach your word. That's it. No fancy stuff. No, no gimmicks. Just a strong, hopefully, strong teaching of the word of God. And so that we might understand what we believe and know, know where we stand as believers. And so when we see what's happening on this earth, we don't need to shudder or... or or, or kind of be frightened. Our Lord has already said, there's no sense for us to be frightened. Those things are just the beginning. 
I believe we will not be on this earth when this place takes place. But Father, those who we know, if it's soon, and we love, they will be on it if they don't come to know you. So we need to tell them. We need to. I pray for all of our family members and loved ones and even our enemies that don't know you. I pray that they'll come to trust and believe in you, Father, and, and that we might be a light to the people we come in contact with and to this community. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen.